SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number three of the morning after right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 150. See, Kevin Walsh is still here in studio, and he was here for the first two hours. <laughs> all right. Okay, he was doing a dance. We'll bring it together. I am sorry about that to all of our loyal viewers out there, but Kevin Walsh was still here in studio. He was here for the first two hours of the morning after on this Tuesday, making the morning after the early after. But do not fear. We still have one more hour for you here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. As you can tell, the smile on my face is large despite the studio being frigid because it is happy hour right here on the grid. Each and every third and final hour of every weekday program here on TMA is a very happy hour indeed. And we have a great guest list for you in this last hour for two segments on this Tuesday, Saturday down south. Connor O'Gara joins us to preview the national championship. Everything you need to know about Alabama and Georgia getting ahead of the numbers potentially entering Monday night's national title game between the Tide and the Bulldogs. And, of course, we will have Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest minds in the industry, to round out the hour as well to give you all the expert insight you need to become a better sports better. But to begin this third and final SEC title game rematch, as I think we are having a slight few technical difficulties to start off our number three, we will go to NFL week number 18, the regular season finale across the National Football League. And the final game of the entire 2021 season now in the calendar year 2022 will be played in the desert at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas on Sunday night. The Raiders and the Chargers. The win and you are in game of the year for the NFL. If the Chargers win, they earn a postseason berth in the AFC. Meanwhile, if the Raiders win, they will be going dancing in the playoffs. There is a scenario if the Colts lose to the Jags as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite, which is very unlikely, that the Chargers and the Raiders could tie, and both teams would go to the postseason. I don't think even as divisional foes, they would allow that to happen, just knee the game out. But that is still a potential entering Sunday, the final Sunday of NFL in this regular season. So let's break down this game between the Chargers and the Raiders right now. As it stands on FanDuel, Los Angeles, a three-point favorite on the road in the desert against the Raiders. The over-under is at 48.5. The line has started to move a little bit in L.A.'s favor from a two-and-a-half-point spread to three. Again, whoever wins in to the postseason. This is the finale of the entire regular season in the NFL. The Chargers as a favorite this year, 10 games, four and six against the spread, as a favorite they did cover last week as a big favorite against the Denver Broncos it was just their third cover in the last eight games so the Chargers have been favored in 10 games the Raiders have been an underdog in 10 games this year six and four ATS but here's what's so fascinating about the Raiders as an underdog six of the 10 games they have covered in they have also won outright in all six of those covers so if the Raiders are going to be an underdog and cover a number 
at least based on what we have seen this year in 2021, the Raiders are also going to win outright. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the third and final very happy hour of the morning after on this Tuesday. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 159, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast, and all of our radio affiliates. I am Ben Stevens, and this is our West Coast Wake Up. We welcome in our West Coast audience getting set for a huge NFL football game out on the West Coast this weekend. The final game of the entire NFL regular season in Las Vegas. The Raiders a three-point underdog against the Chargers, the over-under 48.5. What is at stake? The winner of this football game gets into the postseason. If for some reason, earlier on the Sunday slate, the Colts lose outright as a 15.5-point road favorite against Jacksonville, these two teams can tie and both get into the postseason. So that are those are the playoff implications entering this game. A couple of things you need to know about the Las Vegas Raiders. Like I mentioned, they've won outright as an underdog in all six of the covers out of the 10 games they've been booked as an underdog this year, including the last two weeks. But the offense really hasn't been fully tuning for Vegas as of late. In the last five weeks, the highest point total they have offered, 23 points. In the last five weeks, the Raiders are only averaging 16 points per game. However, when you look at the Chargers and you look at that total and over under of 48 and a hook, the Chargers have gone over in five straight games. The Raiders have gone under in three straight games and under in four of their last five. There's a common thought when it comes to correlating a spread to a total in the world of gambling that if an underdog is going to cover, often that leads us to an under of the total, of the total even when the spread is as short as three points in favor of Los Angeles. I would think here, given what the Raiders have done as an underdog, again, 6-4 and four ATS this year in the 10 games booked as a dog, winning outright in all six of those covers, and with how the offense has been the last five weeks, that if the Raiders are going to win this game, it is going to be a little bit more of a low-scoring effort, maybe an under of that total at 48.5. If the Chargers are going to add it on and push to an over, for the sixth straight game to end out the regular season, then maybe you look to that over of 48 and a hook. The Chargers a three-point favorite in a win and you're in game to end out the entire NFL regular season in Las Vegas on Sunday night. On Monday night, the national championship in college football. We break that down between Alabama and Georgia next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just six days from now. A new national champion will be crowned in college football. Maybe a new team or a team that we saw get crowned last year as the national champion. Alabama and Georgia meet in Indianapolis six days away. Monday night for the CFP national title. And we are going to start to look at that game by first looking back right here, right now on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159 and all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. Now very pleased to welcome back on for what might be the final time in the college football season on a Tuesday. It is Saturday down south's Connor O'Gara, who was at the Orange Bowl in Miami for Georgia's dominant effort against Michigan on New Year's Eve night and who will be 
at the national championship game on Monday in Indy between Alabama and Georgia. So, Connor, your expertise is very much welcome and appreciated here on the morning after. Well, I'll tell you what, Big Ten, Ben, it, it was a rough semifinal for you. Yeah. I, I really felt bad for Michigan fans by night's end because they came in there so hopeful and so optimistic that this Michigan team could maybe get it done. And instead, they saw what teams like Oklahoma and Notre Dame have seen in that semifinal matchup. You get there, that's one thing. That's all well and good. But then you got to run into a team that's got all these different five stars running all over the place, and you see – the speed of, of people like Nicobe Dean, and you just kind of wonder, how do you ever get to that level? And I felt like that's what Michigan fans were experiencing after watching Georgia just come into the Orange Bowl and dominate. And so now the question everybody's asking is, hey, is Georgia all of a sudden the team that just figured it out and corrected their issues that we saw in the SEC championship against Bama? And can that translate into Indianapolis? Or was it just playing against a lesser talented Michigan team, a team that they knew exactly what they were going to do and they were able to stop it? Which one is it? We'll find out soon enough. So, Connor, let's start there. Let's start with the recap of the college football playoff semifinals before looking at the recap of the SEC championship game and what that can teach us about what we will see in six nights in the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. So let's go to the Orange Bowl, the nightcap, the game you were at. Georgia thoroughly dominant as we had seen them for 12 of 13 games this year in that win over Michigan. 34 to 11, and the game never felt in doubt pretty much from it when it was kicked off on New Year's Eve night. Georgia shut down Michigan. Only 91 yards on the ground for the eighth best rushing offense in the country entering the game the first time all year. The Wolverines have been held under the century mark rushing the football. So Georgia got back to what we had seen them do pretty much all year long, save that SEC championship game. How did Georgia do it? Georgia did it by being the more prepared team and actually dialing into that, hey, nobody believes in us anymore. Like, nobody believed in Georgia to dominate like that. Now, they might have said, hey, they're going to win this football game against Michigan, but to come out there and dominate from start to finish, I didn't even expect that. And I said on this program, look, I'm picking Georgia to win 27-17. to 17. I did not expect it to be over before halftime. When it was 20-3 to 3 and Michigan went three and out, it was over. That was it. That was the moment when you realized the Michigan team that hadn't trailed by more than four points all year was in some yep. serious trouble and that this wasn't going to, to go the way of the Wolverines. And look, this, this Georgia plan of attack on offense, it was different than what we saw against Alabama. You cannot underestimate the job that Todd Munkin did. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent to work with, but they were able to spread Michigan out. They were able to get Brock Bowers involved early, and then they had to put so much more attention on him. They were able to get kind of some of those stretch plays going with the – with the backs as well. James Cook, they split them out wide. They go over the top. Jermaine yep. Burton, they go over the top on that weird long touchdown that Stetson Bennett had. And Stetson Bennett just played a lot better. Every decision he made was right. And if he's going to make decisions like that, that's going to keep them in the game, at least against Alabama. Now, whether or not it's going to give them a victory against Alabama and not another 41 to 24 result, that remains to be seen. But still, you have to be impressed with what Georgia was able to do and the way that they imposed their will and looked like the team that had the chip on its shoulder for the last month. Yeah, Georgia covered easily as a seven and a half point favorite. That total of 45 and a hook, the number closed at, staying under by just that half 
points. So Georgia put up 521 yards of offense and held Michigan to 91 on the ground. Pretty much, Connor, it's what we anticipated out of that game. If Georgia was going to cover, they would be the team that did what both Michigan and Georgia want to do, run the football from a positive game script and let the defense control the game. In the first college football playoff semifinal on New Year's Eve, we talked often about how would Alabama's potent offense, the third best scoring offense in the country entering the CFP semifinal in the Cotton Bowl, attack a great defensive secondary in Cincinnati led by Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. Well, Bill O'Brien and Nick Saban and company said, screw all that. We're just going to run the football down your throat. And Bama ran the ball for more than 300 yards on the ground. How impressed were you by the offensive execution that Alabama brought into that game against Cincinnati? I get a lot of things wrong. I really do. Um, I, I Clemson winning the national championship. Okay. I, I said Oklahoma, this was the best team that Lincoln Riley had. Um, I, I get things wrong. If I could have written out a game script for how I thought this was going to go, it, it followed exactly that. I mean, with the exception of, you know, I, I had Cincinnati scoring a touchdown. Other than that, though, this game was exactly the way I saw it playing out, where Alabama was not going to be able to get those chunk plays in the passing game, save that one against they're the, the one that Ja'Cory Brooks had at the end of the first half, the true freshman. But other than that, I mean, it was few and far between. And those corners, those stud corners, Kobe Bryant, Sauce Gardner, they did a tremendous job containing Jamison Williams. And Alabama showed you one of its many faces. That's the thing that we've seen this year. Despite the fact that we've talked about this not being a vintage Alabama team, one of the things that they've learned how to do is they've learned how to win a variety of football games. And they can still yeah. win that boring type of game. That was the boring type of game. Ryan Robinson did his best Derrick Henry imitation, and all of a sudden you're looking up and you realize, wow, this is a three-score game, and Bama doesn't even really feel like it's dominated that much. And still, Bama didn't get to 30 points, which once upon a time holding Bama under 30 points, that was an unbelievable feat. So I think this game followed the script that, that I thought it would. I think Cincinnati absolutely belonged in the college football playoff, but at the same time, we're reminded that Bama plays a variety of games, and they can have Bryce Young throw for 500 yards and beat you they can decide oh you know what we want brian robinson to really get going now that that offensive line is there and playing like this mm. that opens up the playbook so much more and it makes it that much more of an intriguing matchup going into georgia i believe it was last week at this time that connor O'Gara came on the morning after and said he predicted alabama to win and cover in the cotton bowl the first of the two cfp semifinals by a final score of 27 to 10. The only thing he got wrong, he thought since he would find the end zone one time instead of settling for their second field goal. So Connor, those were the CFP semifinal recaps. You were on about a month ago recapping the SEC championship game in which Alabama pulled off the upset, winning outright as a six and a half point underdog, 41 to 24. We'll break down the national championship game and what we can learn from the SEC title rematch. But what was one of your biggest takeaways from that SEC championship game the first weekend of December a month ago. I just couldn't believe that we got the same exact final score. I mean, that, that's yeah. unbelievable that year to year we got the same exact final score of Bama and Georgia. I mean, that type of thing just doesn't happen. And we saw Stetson Bennett make some of the mistakes that, that a lot of Georgia fans were worried that he would make in that one. But, you know, to me, it was watching this Alabama offense really put the pressure on Georgia in a way that we hadn't seen all year. And that's the question everybody is going to be wondering about going into this. And maybe that's different now. Now that they don't have John Mechie to be able to kind of be that glue guy, that possession receiver, 
how much does that limit the Alabama passing game? Because Corey Brooks has been fantastic. I just talked about that big touchdown he had in the Cincinnati game. But can you rely on him to kind of be that higher volume type of guy in this game to take some of the pressure off Jameson Williams? Because Georgia's going to adjust. There's no way that Kirby Smart is going to let Jamison Williams beat that Georgia defense two consecutive games. It's just not going to happen. He might still get his, but he's not going to go off in the same sort of way. So I'm very interested to see the, the adjustments that these teams make, and it's definitely going to fuel kind of my, my early read on this game because I don't even know if I have an early read overall in the final score. The adjustments between the two SEC foes and the adjustments between two head coaches that used to work on the same staff. We'll look at the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Six days away from the national championship game in college football. Who will the winner be, Alabama or Georgia? Right now, Georgia, a three-point favorite entering that national title game on Monday night in Indianapolis. We continue to break it down here on the morning after on this Tuesday. I am Ben Stevens, joined once again for a second straight segment by Saturday Down South's Connor O'Gara, right here on TMA on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. So, Connor, we were breaking down the SEC title game and what happened that first weekend in December in Atlanta, Georgia, when Alabama pulled off the upset outright as a six and a half point underdog, winning. 41 to 24. So I think a lot of people will look at that game and say the takeaway, wow, how did the Tides offense put up that many points against one of the most dominant defenses we have seen in the last decade? So what do you think the takeaway should lead to in terms of adjustments for both sides entering the national championship game? Well, the odds makers obviously aren't worried about that. They think adjustments yeah. will be made. I mean, it, it is unbelievable to, like, to, to process that Georgia is a favorite in this game, despite the fact that we just saw this. We, we saw yep. this less than a month ago. And Bama won this game by three scores, and Georgia is still a favorite, again, on a neutral site. When, yeah, I know Bama isn't going to have John Mechie in this game, and we expect Georgia to make adjustments, but that's pretty telling right there. And it's pretty telling that the odds makers, like it was, I think it came out at halftime of the Orange Bowl was the first line that I saw where Georgia was going to be a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Bama. And the yeah. reaction was kind of like, whoa, you're giving Bama that rat poison again. But at the same time, if Georgia's now a three-point favorite, what does that tell you about what the public is saying about this? I think that's really, really interesting. And to be 100% honest with you, like I don't even have a, a full decision made yet on the way that I'm leaning on that because there's part of me that just doesn't want to look like an idiot. I'm going to feel like an idiot if I'm Charlie Brown lining up to kick the football for the third consecutive time and I all of a sudden whiff on this because Lucy decides that she doesn't want me to have any fun. I'm going to feel like a right. moron. And at the same time, if Georgia is going to win a national championship, don't you think this is what it's going to look like? Don't you think it's finally going to be getting over the Alabama hump and being able to make those adjustments? That's where I keep going back and forth with this whole deal. We can get into the intricacies of the matchup here in a minute. But if you're just talking big picture about who you think is going to win, you want a money line play, you want to go straight up, whatever the case may be, man, it is really, really difficult. And we'll see kind of how this plays out over the course of the next week. 
The oddsmakers told us this entering the college football playoff semifinals. Even after the final four was decided for the CFP, after Alabama ran through Georgia in the SEC championship game, and we all said Alabama's probably not going to be booked as a favorite again for at least five years, maybe not the next decade, the FanDuel Sportsbook had the early look-ahead line for what was perceived as the most likely outcome in the national championship game as Georgia minus one as a slight favorite against Alabama. And both sides were dominant in their own ways in the college football playoff semifinals. And now the spread is even more in UGA's favor at three points. It is fascinating to see, Connor O'Gara, that yes, Georgia is not only just a favorite, but now at a touchdown. And the Tide is an underdog for the fourth time only in the last 12 years. So you mentioned the idea of Georgia getting over the Alabama hump. You could make the same correlation to Kirby Smart getting over the Nick Saban hunt. It is known as well as most things in college football. The Nick Saban has only lost one time to a former assistant coach, and that was earlier this year in 2021 on the road to Texas A&M. You see the results there. The four times that is the head coach of Georgia, Kirby Smart, has played Nick Saban. Back in the national title game for the 2017 season in early January 2018, in that overtime thriller in which Tua Tungavailoa introduced himself to the world, Alabama won 26-23. Then in the SEC title game the next year, Alabama winning 35-28. Then last year in the regular season, Georgia led early in the first half, Alabama barnstormed them later on winning 41-24. And you're like, oh yeah, 41-24, that was the final score in the SEC title game just over a month ago. So, Connor, knowing all the history at stake, knowing that Kirby Smart is trying to get past Nick Saban, his former boss, for the first time, knowing that Georgia is trying to take that leap over Alabama, how do you add all of that into your breakdown of the national championship game? If, if there's a play in this one, I kind of like the under. And I, I think what's what's that was that number at like was it at forty five? I could be mistaken on what exactly that number was, but I, I remember looking at that initial opening line for that and thinking, you know, I would trust both of these teams to be able to make those defensive adjustments, to trust that you know because let's not forget like Bama was was kind of getting gashed early on in that game and they made adjustments in the yeah. second half. Stetson Bennett got forced into some mistakes throwing the ball to Brock Bowers when he was when he was covered. But at the same time, I think both of these defensive minds are going to be able to make those tweaks. And you look at the only two times that that those coaches have had to play in an in-season rematch. Bama, of course, with the very, very famous rematch of the national championship where they play LSU after the game of the century, and then Bama wins the rematch 21 to nothing back after the end of the at the end of the 2011 season. And then Georgia gets the rematch against Auburn where Georgia gets to play Auburn in the SEC championship and they only allow seven points. So if you kind of look at those things and you say, well, these guys, you know, with, with quick turnarounds, they have been able to make those adjustments. I would trust that maybe more than anything. And I'm not necessarily expecting Stetson Bennett to put up 45 points all of a sudden against Alabama. I don't know that he'll need to do that. And I also don't think this Bama offense without John Mechie is quite as prolific and their efficiency has taken a real dip in the six quarters that he has been out. So I kind of wonder about those two things. And I wonder if that's the strongest play, maybe more so than any straight up bet right now. Yeah, when you look at the over-under for the national championship game, now at 52 and a hook, the over-under oh. for the SEC title game, 48 and a half. And of course, Alabama almost went over that 
by themselves. There was a time when we thought scoring two touchdowns against Georgia was an unachievable feat, let alone three touchdowns, let alone 41 points. So I'll ask you this, Connor. In terms of making adjustments on Kirby Smart's side for his dogs, which unit do you think needs to be better in the national championship game? Obviously, both is the answer. But do you think the offense needs to be better or the defense needs to be much better for Georgia to have a shot of knocking off Alabama? That's the defense. You can't put your foundation on that the entire year and then play as poorly as they did. And the biggest thing that they have to figure out is how to get pressure on Bryce Young. They didn't sack him once. I mean, that is Mm. unbelievable considering the way that they got pressure with ease without sending extra defenders all year. And you watch some of the things that they did against Michigan too. And you're just like, how in the world are these guys supposed to protect against them? I I felt bad for Cade McNamara at points of that game where you're just like, this looks like a a three-man weave constantly with the way that they're able to dial it up. And then, oh, by the way, there's N'Kobe Dean or, oh, there's Nolan Smith, Trayvon Walker. Like one of these guys is coming through to stop the quarterback. And so what Bama did so, so well and what allowed them to really execute the way that they wanted to, what gave Jameson Williams that time to get over the top was the fact that their offensive line played a whale of a game. And if they do that again against Georgia, and Georgia is not able to get hits on Bryce Young, then this is not going to be a game that Stetson Bennett can win. It's just not. And so that's the unit that has to improve. If you're Dan Lanning, if you're Kirby Smart, you're spending all this time trying to figure out ways to dial up looks that's going to confuse that Alabama offensive line, which has played so, so much better since the Iron Bowl. And I think that's the biggest area that they have to improve because it all starts up front, and that's what's going to make their secondary look better. That's going to allow Stetson Bennett to not be in as many of these obvious passing situations. If they take care of business up front, that's really what's going to dictate the tempo, I think, for the Georgia for the Georgia uh, bounce back game, whatever you want to call it. Georgia has the 11th best sack percentage in all of college football. Alabama, the fifth best sack percentage because they have the Terminator from Tuscaloosa in Will Anderson Jr. as well. It will be fascinating. It'll be fascinating to see where the line moves over the course of the next couple of days. Georgia right now a favorite in the national championship game and SEC title game rematch against Alabama. UGA minus three and the over-under stands right now at 52 and a half. Connor, before we get there, that will be obviously the final game of the college football season. The second to last game is actually today. Yeah, we have another bowl game on this Tuesday, LSU and Kansas State. That's right, Connor O'Gara. I'm asking you about the Texas Bowl. One last rodeo. LSU has like no players available. They have no scholarship quarterback available for this game. And Kansas State at last check was a six and a half point favorite. The line working in their favor. Have a play for us for the Texas Bowl, Connor O'Gara? I have no idea how in the world LSU wins this football game. It's bad when you find out, oh, you know, my guy Jacob Hester came out and said, ah, you know, it's looking like my guess is they're going to have 51 scholarship players. Then we find out that they had like 39 and they handed out scholarships. And I think that's just because they didn't want to take the field knowing that they only had 39 scholarship players. I don't know who's playing quarterback. Um, I, I have no idea what in the world to expect from LSU. I think they're going to be wearing LSU jerseys and helmets. I'm not sure how much more I'm going to recognize, but beyond that, you have to take Kansas State in this game. You have to take Kansas State to cover. I would think that Colin Klein, the former Kansas State legend, is going to have some great calls in this game on the sideline for the Wildcats. I, I just cannot expect LSU to win a football game. I, I, I have no idea what to expect from this team. And it's going to be the most un-LSU-like showing that we've probably ever seen. 
But yeah, I mean, if you're betting on this game, you're doing so because you have nothing better to do on a Tuesday night, I'm, I'm guessing. But um, what a weird set of circumstances. The fact that this game is on January 4th, like it, it just doesn't exactly seem right. But yeah, Kansas State's the player. The second to last college football game of the year. The shell of LSU in Kansas State running the football probably for a lot of yardage today. Now the line in the Cats' favor of seven and a half points. Connor O'Gara from Saturday down south. He will be in Indianapolis for the national championship game. Connor, safe travels to you, and we will talk again very, very soon. More of the morning after up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. We are about to embark on the regular season finale, week number 18 in the longest NFL season we have seen in the history of the National Football League. So who better to bring on to provide you the expertise you need to know entering this final weekend of the NFL in the regular season than one of the sharpest minds in the industry, Bill Krakenberger. From the Crack Wins app, if you miss any of the expertise he drops today or just want some more of that insight, make sure to follow along with what the Crack Wins app does to provide you the best analysis you can find to become a better sports better. Crack, thank you for joining us here on another Tuesday on the morning after entering the final week of the NFL regular season. This has been a, a crazy, crazy year, as we know. And, and uh, you know, I'm not one to bet a lot of money. Uh, I, even though I do give out NFL picks, I, I, I don't bet sides. Very rare. Uh, I'm, I'm a totals guy. I'm a first-half totals guy. I'm a prop guy. Uh, this year has been absolutely amazing. Um, and, and, you know, it takes a lot it, for me to talk about my record. or I, I'm not one. I'm, I'm not a good self-promoter, so... But, I mean, mm. this year has been so exceptional, Bennett. And I've been on your show every week. I never talked about this. Um, I, I mean, this year in, in the NFL, literally 65.3%. Uh, it's impossible. I, can, I don't think I'll ever be wow. able to do that again. But, um, yeah, th no, this, this year has been exceptional. The first half totals have been really good for me. Uh, the propositions have been really good for me, uh, totals in general. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's probably – Something to do with, obviously, the information that's out there uh, in this NFL compared to the previous years. And, and, and with this COVID stuff, we're on top of it. My team's on top of it and, and on top of social media. And, and even someone simple like uh, ESPN uh, on top of, uh, you know, notifications being turned on. And, and, and it's been really good. Yesterday was a perfect example. It was the Eagles. Eagles game was Dallas was three when I woke up in the morning. And today I'm looking at seven, even seven and a half at some of the far yeah. off spots. I mean, this is that now. Now, granted, that could be a little bit of a factor there. It's not only um, Jerry Jones announced that all his players were starting. So that that is something that uh, uh, probably motivates sports bettors to get out there and bet. But also the Eagles uh, COVID list keeps growing more and more and they don't need the game. But Dallas, I'm not going to say don't need the game, but. I guess they'll try to move up their position, uh, but it's going to take so much, even if Dallas wins, for them to um, 
avoid playing Green Bay. I think it's going to be avoid playing Green Bay in that situation. So it, it's it's an interesting game. You know, uh, this is week 18. It's our first ever week 18. Crazy that that this this particular Cowboy game though. It's you know you know why it's fun for everybody, but they got to be careful about not over betting. It's Saturday, so we have yeah. two games Saturday: Cowboys, Eagles, Kansas City, Denver, and um, <clears throat> it's going to make people probably over bet. Like, listen, I don't know about yourself, but uh, everyone if the NFL games on TV they have to have a bet on a Saturday, especially. So uh, it, it should be a, a fun, interesting game. I look at this line. Um, on on the, um, well, actually both games, but really look at the Cowboy line. I don't expect it to really, you know, it, it moved already. I, wait to see what happens yeah. on on Sunday here, on Saturday here. It may move back. It may return to the mean a little bit because uh, Greenback. I mean, uh, uh, Eagles have Gardner Mishu was pretty good. I mean, he he was he was so pumped up when he when he was uh, he threw his first touchdown of the year this year. I mean, I, I think he was uh, he was going crazy in the parking lot with his dad and stuff. Um, so I don't expect the game to close that high, but and and you know like, I, but you never know in this kind of situation of teams, their motivations of of who they're going to play, and you have to remember too, guys look to step up in situations. So you'll actually have the backups, the guys that are they're looking to prove they have something to prove. They're a, they're a backup, so um, they're looking literally. To, to, to at their next life, at their next season, at their, you know, what are they going to do here? So they have chances to be a starter in the future, and now's their time to shine. So um, always remember it's baked in the line. I know when people see, okay, Jones announced all the guys are starting. So people look to jump on Dallas right away. And, you know, maybe you should have done that in the first half of the game or maybe even a, a money line first half or first quarter even. Those bets are available. But – I don't know if you could do that now that now that the line moved, and um, I don't know if you even should do that because you, you, you never know. Like I said, with these kind of backups, so that's the kind of situations we're faced with the, throughout the entire weekend. And um, you know, you, you have to realize the motivation factor behind uh, the teams, and you know, some like the uh, Minnesota is playing the Bears. It's almost like a preseason game. They just want to go home. No one's going anywhere. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you can place a bet on that type of a game, um, but I know people will. So it, it's just uh, you have to know uh, what's going on. Follow maybe some uh, really good late trend. Uh, I'm sorry, late breaking information, um, especially with the, with the COVID outages. The Eagles are like losing more and more guys, but that means someone could step up. So it's an interesting situation. It should be fun. Week 18, which we've never said before, and uh, it gives everyone – a chance to uh, to bet more money on uh, on another weekend here. I, I mean, uh, who says the NFL is not in bed with uh, with sports betting? I mean, listen, the NFL always will remain king, even into week number 18. And, Crack, you mentioned it. The Cowboys opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The line has already moved four-and-a-half points in the way of Dallas now standing at a touchdown. And I think motivation will be a part of your handicap this weekend. It was even last night when you think about the Steelers in the Browns. The Cleveland Browns were already eliminated from postseason contention. Of course, you had everything going in to the home finale, most likely for Ben Roethlisberger at Heinz Field. And we saw the line move back and forth. And Cleveland opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It got to Pittsburgh's way by three points. And then back to Cleveland being a favorite by the time we got to kick last night 
in Pittsburgh. So, Crack, normally we base all of our handicapping by models and trends and the analytics we need to know. But entering a week like week 18 or even last night on a Monday, how much do you need to add motivation into your handicap? Yeah, you, you really do. You, you really do have to add it in. I understand. But at a price, at a premium, it's baked in mm. the line. These teams that have to win, the bookmakers know that already. So if you were to base this game on week 10 instead of week 18, the line would be different. You're paying a premium. You're paying a tax for betting these must-win teams. Yes, Pittsburgh won last night, and I understand. Um, you know, that, Of course, that, that could easily happen. It's Really, it's supposed to happen. That's the reason why they're, they're – uh, now, now, last night's line was very unusual. You know, when I woke right. up yesterday, the line was – there were there was plus threes here in Vegas yesterday. Um, I seen – and then last night, the game was like, pick them. I even seen Cleveland uh, minus one. So, you know why, though? A lot of the syndicate guys were on Cleveland last night. I actually got that text myself. Cleveland guys – I mean, people were on Cleveland in the afternoon and, and moved the line back. The line went back and forth. Um yeah. Proof. Listen, Pittsburgh was the better team last night, uh, obviously. And, and you could see sometimes there is maybe no motivation for these teams. You know, um, speaking of that game last night, you know, it's one of those teams that unbelievable is overvalued and overbet here in Vegas. And I'm sure FanDuel and all the other books around, they're overbet for their futures. The last two seasons, the bookmakers have made so much money on booking uh, Cleveland to win the Super Bowl, Cleveland to win the, the you know, playoffs division, whatever it may be. So, um, that, that's an interesting, also an interesting factor. But motivation, like you said, going back to that, um, this weekend presents a lot of different unique situations of, of must-wins and ones that aren't. But just know that the bookmaker knows this, and you're going to pay a premium for paying uh, for playing that side of the line. You know, yeah. maybe not a bad scenario of betting some live wagering. I don't really don't I don't do that throughout the year enough. Uh, and I always re- recommend anyone that follows me or I talk about, uh, make sure you bet during the commercials. It's very tough to bet when you have that lag of seven to 10 seconds, even more when you're uh, watching a game in a sports book and the sports book, you're, w- what you're watching is about a five to seven second delay. Then there's another couple seconds more by the time you put your bet in is sometimes you're in a queue for five seconds more. So bet during the commercials. Maybe some situations here that you'll know by game time, by kickoff, you'll know uh, uh, more than they knew before the games, and uh, you'll be able to make some live wagers this week that uh, if you just follow what's going on and who really is playing and who needs to play and and how they're playing, and uh, some teams just want to go home, not get hurt, and collect their paychecks too. Uh, You know, so it's interesting. Yeah, Craig, I think that's a great point, either for what teams are out there and what motivation looks like on one side, or maybe for teams like the Colts, who with a win and they're in, but they're a 15 and a half point favorite against the Jags. If they get out to a comfortable lead, maybe Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor take a seat on the bench. Or in that first game on Saturday, the Chiefs, a double digit favorite on the road against the Broncos. KC battling for some postseason positioning, but really not much all at stake. So if they have a comfortable lead, maybe Patrick Mahomes takes a seat in the third quarter something of the sort I think live betting and maybe some first half looks this week is the way to go crack in your neck of the woods on Sunday night out in the desert we have a win and you're in game between the Chargers and the Raiders and right now Los Angeles a three-point favorite on the road we know both sides are going to be supremely motivated to get into the AFC 
postseason picture. So how do you take this game into correlation with trying to find the sharpest edge this weekend? Boy, isn't, isn't that a fun game to watch? That's our primetime game Sunday night. Uh, Chargers, Raiders, you win, you're in. Uh, Raiders have uh, had a newfound life here. And, you know, um, yeah. I won't have a side here, but I'll be rooting for the Raiders. Nothing to do, by the way, nothing to do because I live in Las Vegas. I'll be rooting because uh, my, my, my friend, uh, one of my best friends in life is Teddy Atlas, and his son is a, a scouting director for the Raiders. So I'll be rooting mm. for that for a personal reason. But this team has really come on. I just seen you guys put a line up there. I took pictures of the lines ahead of time uh, when, before I came on. So uh, I see FanDuel has plus three, minus 18. That's a heck of a line, guys. There is all two and a half on, two and a half on the Sharp Sportsbooks. Very interesting that they have a three there. Um, boy, I tell you, it's really tough to lay three. Uh, you know, versus, yeah. versus the Raiders here here at the motivation B factor. Wow, I think this place is going to be rocking for the Raiders. Now, now, granted, here in Las Vegas, or unlike any other market, we will have Chargers fans in the stadium. Um, people yeah. travel to Las Vegas, especially that little hour flight over from L.A. Uh, we will have that going on. It's not like playing in, in you know, at the Eagles Stadium or, uh, you know, tough, tough, uh, you know, East Coast Stadium. But uh, I won't be I wouldn't be uh, quick to lay the three there and I'll just be rooting for it as a, a rare opportunity as a fan. So interesting, though, should be fun. Yeah. Great, great for TV, be- great for viewing. Yeah, a great game. A great game for sure, Crack, because it is the final game of the final week of the regular season, week number 18 in the NFL. There is also a potential if the Colts lose outright as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite against the Jags that both teams between the Raiders and Chargers could tie and both get into the postseason. So much at stake this weekend, and Bill Krakenberger, one of the sharpest in the industry, getting you set for week number 18 in the NFL. Crack, thank you so much, and have a great weekend. Thanks, guys. Take care. Have a great weekend. Have fun this weekend. It'll be a ton of fun. The first ever Week 18 in the history of the National Football League. The longest regular season we have ever seen. Tonight, though, we focus on college basketball for our bye-bye-bye best bet. That's next here on The Morning App. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our show on this Tuesday on the morning after. Three great hours for you. Some great people on TMA on this program today. We started out with two hours straight of Kevin Walsh. Then Connor O'Gara. Then some insight from one of the sharpest in the entire industry in Bill Krakenberger. We end with my best bet of the day here on the morning after on Sirius XM Channel 159 and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. So before we say farewell. Before we say goodbye, let's focus on some college basketball because it's starting to pick up. Conference action in full swing. We are seeing some great games across the country in college hoops right now. COVID pauses, for the most part, have been put on pause. We are seeing some great basketball on the hardwood. So let's end right there. My bye-bye-bye best bet. Here it is. Bye-bye-bye. bye 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 
A top 25 tilt between two teams in the SEC that will be contending for a conference crown. Number 16, Kentucky, on the road, taking on number 21, LSU. LSU's most recent game, it's SEC opener against Auburn. The only loss the Tigers have suffered all year long. Kentucky has also been very, very good. Only two losses in its season opener against Duke and against Notre Dame about a month ago. We focus on the total tonight. LSU favored by two and a half points. The over-under is 143. Last night, the over-under was 139 in a hook. It has gone up to 143 points. LSU, the most efficient defense in all of college basketball, has played the second most unders in all of college basketball. 11 of the 13 games that LSU has played this year have hit the under. Only one other team has gone over or under more than LSU this year. That's Eastern Illinois. So LSU and the defense control this game at home against Kentucky. I'm not sure who wins, but I think we go under of 143 points for a total. The morning after, each and every weekday, right here on SportsGrid. It begins at 9 a.m., and we take you until noon Eastern every weekday. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.